0: So uh, we're now going to have a chat with uh, Roy Moorfield. Uh, Good morning to you, Roy.
1: Good morning, Simon.
0: So, uh, Roy, we've had you on the show in the past. It's been a little while between drinks. I'm sorry, but uh, so you are—they call you the Sommelier in the um, Sky—because you've for 30 years you've been working with Cathay Pacific, choosing well as part of their panel to choose one to go on board.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's been a while. It has been a while, mate. And that, so tell us, you have, you do some wine writing and um, broadcasting and things as well. So um, how's, how have things been um, over the last little bit, and not particularly the COVID time, but um, obviously relative to our discussion?
1: Well, I mean, it, uh, obviously COVID's um, <laughs> thrown a, a halt in, in many directions for my activities, Uh uh, I was right in the middle of going over to see the new vintage in Bordeaux, um, or last year's vintage in barrel, and uh, that just had to be put on hold. So uh, I'll have to catch up with what sounds like a an exciting vintage from this year, uh, which has uh, been a very early one. So that means I'll get some ripeness there, which I have to look at now next year. So mm. it's all been a bit difficult, but anyway, we're 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 trying. We're trying. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, yes, it's. Um obviously uh, a challenging time for for all the airlines you know um and but then what people probably wouldn't think about is you know the the whole process of the wines and and things that they had planned for um you know for all of the flights that have been cancelled you know where does that wine go and you know what what um, commitments have been made and and whatever because you know in some cases producers are Setting aside a significant allocation to to Cathay as a client as a customer.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we we've um, we've seen the film before. Um, we had uh, first of all the I think of the economic downturn, and then uh, and then we had SARS some years ago. Mm-hmm. I think about eight years ago, from memory. And 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 that SARS uh, exercise saw us uh, really examine you know our stock levels and how we handled. Um, you know, wines because we found that after SARS, there were some wines which, which were just got, they just got out of rotation and and they were a little, getting a bit tired and we just weren't happy with with putting them on board and ended up having to sort of sell them off quite cheaply and and uh, it was a, a lesson learned that we we were well prepared for. So as soon as this uh, new uh, pandemic was on the horizon. Uh, we swung into the action, and uh, we made sure that all our commitments were covered off in terms of people, you know, not holding vintages for us and and mm-hmm. moving it through the other distribution chains before before the wines got uh, got got too old.
0: Yeah, that's well, that's very fortuitous to you know to have had that track record, isn't it? Um, and um, I, I know that uh, you know Qantas here they've they've, they've been moving on a little bit of their wine too and um and so there must be wine that you have stored that you know maybe didn't all get used in last year's allocation that and and the reds will probably be okay but then you probably make have to make a decision on um you know even though you know on ground we would be enjoying that wine and we'd be quite happy to serve it but maybe it doesn't quite measure up to what you your promise is on you know especially with first and business class
1: yeah well, well we we obviously with the reds, it's not really a, such a problem. I mean we have a collection of Bordeaux uh, in uh, in top growths, which is actually held in Bordeaux. so it's just, it's just getting better as we speak, and it's mm. in perfect condition. But the whites can be a problem, and um and we've, uh, haven't had a real problem with it since that sort of regime that we put in, in place because we just make sure that we're dealing on a drawdown basis from from yeah. the suppliers, okay. and uh, and they've got plenty of other opportunities to move it out through other outlets, whether it be, you know, through uh, normal distribution chains, so that we've we've just made made sure that we're not caught with that problem again, because it is a pro, it, it can become a problem, particularly with economy class white wine. Um, with wines that are going to survive in the air, you really need the freshest white wines that you can um, because it uh, there's a lot of uh, things going against them and if they get a bit tired, the flight uh, rigors will make them um, just taste very flat
0: yeah we've we've talked about uh, this and I find it fascinating the the difference between um, you know tasting wine on an airplane and tasting wine on the ground and in two parts that is you know, um, you've said before that, you know, the, the air is so dry that your actual, you know, your, your nose is, is not as, um, doesn't function quite the same as it does on the ground. No, so it
1: doesn't. It, it, it dries out, out the, the nose and the hair follicles in the nose and, the, and, and it really affects your, your sense of smell. And uh, and that's connected to your olfactory effect, gland, which also affects your sense of taste. Mm. Uh, as we're seeing a lot with COVID today, uh, all you wine connoisseurs out there, you're in you're in a in the box box seat. If you can't tell the difference between Shiraz and Cabernet, go and get a test.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. That is a very very uh, strong marker um, for, yeah. Yeah, for Um The other thing that that we've talked about before, but just there will be listeners who haven't uh, heard the story, but. Uh, where you, um, you know, it's years ago now that, it, but they've got you got to a point where you would you would take wines over for the final tasting, fly them to Hong Kong.
1: Oh, but, we still fly them. We we still do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: But but what yeah. I what I was fascinated by is that you were seeing some of the wines that you were having here in Melbourne, for instance, uh, and by the time they got over there, that they'd sort of changed. Then then there was a little bit of unpacking of, of you know why is that the case. Um, yeah
1: that's correct. i mean we, when we we first did the uh, the Australian selection it used to be done here, we used to do the um the elimination, if you like, of wines which were simply not suitable, which were either too tannic or too acidic and out of balance and 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 then you know really compare it down to what we thought were the wines with the right balance, the right length you know for for, for the judging. And then we'd we'd get what we call, we got to the stage where we'd call it the best on ground in Australia. (laughs) And then we'd fly over, very very topical finals coming up, um, and, um, and, and we'd fly them over to Hong Kong. And only in one occasion did the wine that was best on the ground in Australia prove to be the best on ground when we were in Hong Kong and why so there was uh there was nothing no, no difference in the it's all tasted mast and 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 we we only could put this down to the fact that there was something happening to them in the in the flight and uh over the years i i noticed that you know the, the planes there's a, a micro vibration that goes through planes and it, it um it, it it's the reason why they have to check them every 10,000 flight miles and whatever against metal fatigue and all these other things because this you can't feel it, you're comfortable in your chair, but it, as it's pushing through the air, it vibrates because uh, the air becomes, you know, it's quite a resistance factor, otherwise, a plane would fall out of the sky. Mm. And so it's tearing through there, and these planes are vibrating very, very in a minor way, but it can really upset the lines. And it, it creates what what is the same effect as bottle shock, which happens when you bottle a wine and you, um, you you taste it after you've bottled it and it's not the same as what it went in and you think, what's wrong here? And then you let it settle down in the cellar and it returns to normal, but you, we don't get that luxury. It just happens every time the plane takes off. Uh-huh. And it affects some wines grossly and other wines it hardly affects at all, but that's the nature of it.
0: Yeah, isn't it fascinating? And then it's not necessarily always um that so if you buy from the same producer and they're getting the fruit from the same block and, and all that sort of thing so it's the same wine essentially year to year it won't necessarily be the same from year to year like that that bottle shock will it
1: no it's not it, 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 it's it's not consistent the the, the the you know the the uh it's it must be vintage conditions so that every year you get a slightly different sort of um uh, a different quality of grape, uh, and uh, and and that that's causing that tra that, that that difference.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? And um, so so tell us um, what else you've been doing from a you know given uh you haven't been able to travel, um you've been writing and and um, and doing you, you write for magazines and stuff.
1: Yes, I still do. I I, <laughs> I write for a magazine in China and. Um, and that's been now going for some years, and uh, it, uh, it's 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 very uh, it's very interesting because it's sort of uh, you feel like you're writing to an audience like I used to write to in Melbourne, uh, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, you know, you, you've you've got to pitch it as a, as a, a at a level where people are learning about wine and uh, and and the. You know just take an attitude when you're writing it that you don't assume people know everything about wine which you get in today's market in australia but and so it's uh, it's working out very well but of course you know uh with, a, with current problems in in trade relations with china we we've got an exciting market there and we've also got a very big excited population of people who love Australian wines. Mm. And uh, and so I can only hope that uh, all this settles down and, uh, and we get back to normalcy. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, that, it would be fascinating from that point of view. Um, uh, yeah. As you say, just seeing the, um, the knowledge build and, um, and the interest in trying different things and, uh, and, and really an increasing appetite for, for, you know, better wines from Australia. And, and that they're, they're, they're really enjoying it as part of um you know with a meal and all that sort of thing as opposed to collecting it and giving it as a as a gift and it's a sort of um
1: oh, uh, oh yeah very much so i mean it, it's become uh particularly strong i mean in the, in, in in the biggest bigger cities there's a number of wine clubs uh and uh wine societies and people are doing wine tastings and and doing all the things that we did really in the in in the 1980s, you know, to develop wine knowledge. I mean, wine classes are full; uh, they're well read, they're enthusiastic, and uh, and experimental. So it's mm.
0: great. Mm. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, hey, we we've got a a text in number here uh, where listeners can. Send us in a question. Uh, it's zero four five six ninety six five ninety six five. We've had a text from Graham Lang uh, about sparkling wine. Now I reckon you'd probably have a, you could probably throw your racket at the answer of this one. Um, so he was he was wondering why a sparkling Shiraz has such a a, a higher um, percentage of alcohol. Than, than say a, a, a white sparkling, um, you know, he had an Andrew Garrett sparkling Shiraz. It was over thirteen percent. So, have you got a thought on that?
1: Well, not yes. It's just because really the, the the fruit itself, you know, to make it to to get the flavour and to get the the, the flavour that you need in the grapes of particularly a Shiraz or a Cabernet, they need to reach a certain ripeness. Otherwise, they get these sort of you know weedy phenolic f- flavours. So you you potential alcohol when you're making a base wine is going to be somewhere in that 13 to 15 percent to start with um and so it's not like white wine where you can uh, the 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 rule of things with, with with still white or sorry with sparkling white champagne or sparkling wine is that you really need to retain acidity uh in in australia we we don't allow wines to go through malolactic as a white wine to retain, you know, um, to to retain the acidity, whereas in France they let it go through malolactic to soften them, the acidity. Yeah. Um, so with, with with red wines you're making a whole different category of wine uh, <clears throat> and you've got more alcohol to start with. So yeah. by unless you want to remove it to start with, it's, it's not, not L- possible. Not
0: possible, to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Graham, I hope that answers your question and keep enjoying Sparkling Red. It's uh, Truly special, I reckon. Um, yeah,
1: that's right. Don't drink, <laughs> don't drink too many glasses of it. Just drink one. <laughs>
0: yes, um, it's uh, it's fun. So, uh, it's sparkling obviously is is something um, that's very well um, used on on airplanes. It's a perfect uh, perfect opportunity to to celebrate a journey and uh, and you know what what you're about to encounter, especially if it's a a, a social trip or you know a, a trip for fun.
1: So. Well, uh, Simon, wine always tastes better when you're having fun <laughs> and there's nothing better than getting on a plane and thinking I'm going to go somewhere and I'm really going to enjoy myself. So it's, all wine should taste good, but certainly sparkling wine does. Yes. And, uh, and because it's a product which is in motion, uh, when, when you take the cork out, um, it's made to be, be stirred up because it's stirred up by bubbles. You see very little effect of the flight problem that I, uh, I talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's um, that is yeah, really interesting. Um, so uh, just had another question that, um, and then we'll probably need to let you go. But uh, given so the question is given the vibrations that we talked about, um, do you avoid serving aged wines, um, or or is that an issue? Um, you know, so, um, it, Christopher, who is a regular contributor, he said he'd hate to have a hill of grace or a Grange go bad on a flight because of the vibrations. Is that?
1: Um... I can I, 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 I actually concur with that. I I um I don't think that planes are really meant to uh, to be to be serving your your old bottles of Grange and your old bottles of hill of grace. Mm. Uh, I think that you need to get wines which are, have got a certain amount of youth, youth and vitality. Otherwise, you do risk, you know, uh, flattening them a bit. A a, a, a nice dinner party uh, above a cellar, and uh, that's the best way to have it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sounds perfect, Um, Roy. We're we're out of time, unfortunately, but uh, let's do this again. And um, okay, no problem. Good luck. Uh, I hope you get to travel again soon, but um, probably not till next year, at least.
1: Wow, (laughs) believe me, I'm waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. All right.
0: Thank you. Keep up the good work, eh? Right. uh, Thanks, Roy. See you. Bye bye.